Well, good morning, Shift Church. What an awesome time of worship together. Let me start out by saying happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, I appreciate you all. I am a brand new father, uh, so I get very little sleep. So I appreciate you all. I know all the mothers do most of the work, but fathers, I appreciate you all. I promise, okay? We're in it together. If you all got any tips that are going to help me get through this, bring them on. I need them, okay? So bring them on. But seriously, I'm so thankful for fathers because uh, I know the way my dad's spoken to me my life before he passed away, and I'm so thankful for him and all the work that he did uh, to point me to Christ constantly. I was in youth ministry for years, and um, one of the leading statistics that leads to children leaving the church when they turn 18 is a father not spiritually present. And so I would encourage fathers, you know, read the word of God with your family, pray with your family, love on your family, lead your family well. And so uh, I'm so thankful for you all. Uh, My name's Sam Mitchell. Uh, I grew up in South Knoxville. I'm a South Knoxville boy. I love it. I went to Southville High School. Yeah, go Sono. We hate Seymour, hate Bearden, hate Farragut. If you're from there, I love you still, but I hate you, okay? I'm joking. But you know, I'm just so appreciative of all South Knoxville has done for me as well. I currently work at Southville Middle with Derek, and I'm just uh, so thankful for that man. You know, he's just such an influence already on my life. You all are blessed with an amazing pastor. Let me go ahead and tell you all that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so I I am so thankful for that. And uh, this morning, we're going to kind of be looking through Ephesians 2. If you all got your Bible and want to go ahead and open up there, But we're going to be uh, talking through breakthrough that leads us to purpose. And uh, I'm sure we can all think of moments in our lives where we've had something click and all of a sudden we are filled with purpose. Uh, A lot of us may find this in our jobs or in our hobbies or in things that we enjoy. But I want to look at and talk through this morning just an ultimate breakthrough in our lives that uh, has happened for all believers that leads us into our ultimate purpose, which is glorifying Christ in all that we do. Colossians 1 tells us that all things were created by Christ and for Christ. So in the beginning, our original purpose has always been and always will be for God, for his glory. You can trace it back to the garden, Adam and Eve, what were they meant to do to glorify God and all they do? Be fruitful, multiply, eat, drink, be merry, do whatever you do, but do it for the glory of God. And so it has always been and always will be to glorify him in our lives. That has been the original purpose since the beginning of time. And to talk about this breakthrough, like I said, we're going to be in Ephesians 2 and talk about Christ bringing us from death into life. And but before we get into that, I want us to understand this morning a big truth uh, that I think we all kind of have to get to to recognize it is Christ who and Christ alone who brings us from death to life. And that is this, that the only thing that we humanity bring to the table of salvation is the sin that made it necessary. It's only by Christ's work that we can be brought from death to life. We, we have to recognize this truth, okay? That the only thing that we bring is the sin that made it necessary. We have to understand this because it leads us into two big things, okay? And the first thing is, you can't be so great that you are not in need of Christ. You can cure cancer, you can get rid of poverty, you can solve all conflicts of war, bring peace to everyone, but if you don't have Jesus, you are still dead in your sin, Okay? Because Jesus doesn't just make bad people good, he makes dead people alive. Jesus is the only one who can bring this major breakthrough in our life. But here's the second truth, if I kind of beat you down there for a second, okay? It's okay, I feel it too. Here's a really, really good truth. You are not so messed up that Jesus can't save you. 
This is something I need to hear. You cannot out the cross of Christ. There is more mercy in Christ than sin in you. So for the most messed up sinner, of which I'm the greatest, I'll admit it, Christ can save you. Christ can bring a breakthrough in your life. And so we, we want to trust in this. Maybe this morning, that's what you're waiting on. Maybe you need a breakthrough and nothing else has been working. Your job's failed you. Your family's failed you. Your hobbies, the things that you thought you enjoyed so much are ultimately failing you. And that's because Jesus and only Jesus can bring an ultimate breakthrough that leads to joy and peace. And so the breakthrough of bringing you from death to life is what we're going to be talking about this morning. So my prayer is if you haven't already is that you would trust Christ for life. And I I just love what we just sang, that Christ before you, behind you, beside you. And that's really something that we're really going to look at, is that no matter where we're at in this life, that Christ has already done something so great for us, the cross of Christ, and we are living and resting in that finished work and trusting that it was good enough and trusting that we will go and be with the Father. And when trials hit and when things happen and the things of this world inevitably get us down, that we're not standing on ourselves, we're standing on the rock of Christ. And so we trust in that completely. So, if hope all that's gotten you to Ephesians 2, we're going to read through it real quick, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom all lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But here are these words, they're my favorite words in the Bible. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when you were dead in your trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray real quick and we'll dive into this. Father, we are so thankful to be here this morning. I'm just so thankful that as believers we can come worship freely. What an amazing thing that is. We are so, so thankful for what your son did for us on the cross. That he died our death, he took our sin and defeated it, but ultimately he rose again defeating death so that we could live in you. And so I pray this morning that we would just push any distraction to the side, that we would focus completely on you, that you'd push me out of the way and only let your words be spoken, God. We are so thankful for you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So real quick, let's get some things. Again, I'm going to beat you down real quick, but it's okay because there's encouragement coming, okay? It's the word of God beating you down, not me, okay? All right, so we have to realize kind of what we bring to this table, all right, of salvation. And Ephesians 2 just lines it out for us. It says we bring our transgressions and our sins, which have led us into death, which have brought about a broken world. You know, we trace it back to Adam and Eve, okay? We follow the ways of the world, the broken world that we just talked about, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, so Satan. We bring our disobedience, we bring our cravings of the flesh, our lustful and messed up evil desires, whatever they may be, okay? And we are deserving of wrath. It just lays it out there like that. We have brought to the table this gap that has separated us from God. So let us recognize once again, sin doesn't just make you bad, it makes you dead. 
when we trace it all the way back to the garden, to God telling Adam and Eve not to eat the fruit lest they die, we understand that the wages of sin is not bad. The wages of sin is death. So the only thing we bring is this need for life, this need for a Savior. We need a Savior on our own. We are just everything that we just listed. We need a breakthrough, but our problem is the kind of breakthrough we need is only something God can do. So we need what only God has and what we do not deserve, righteousness in life. And we have what God hates and rejects, sin. So the only thing we have is this need for life, this need for a Savior. So this is a huge problem. This is where I'll hit you all with my you know, theology real quick. We're in deep, deep doo-doo. All right? like we're in it. There's no way out, okay? So what, what's the solution? What's the answer here? The solution is God himself in the flesh. Only one person can make us righteous before God, and that is Jesus. We can only come alive through Jesus. That is the beauty of verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. If you miss everything that I, else that I say this morning, I know I'm not that good, so it's okay, but don't miss these words. But God. Okay, whenever we see these words in the Bible, we know that it's about to get good. Okay, I, I love but God anytime in the Bible, and I love therefore anytime in the Bible, because it's about to get, like, God's about to just drop the mic. It's about to be insane, okay? So whenever we see these words, we know it's going to get good. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love he had for us. So in your sin, God still has a great love for you. And I don't know about you, but that's comforting, because maybe you feel so messed up, there's no way someone can love you. And if you haven't been there, there's probably going to be a time in your life that you do, because I know I've been there. And when we have, feel like that, we need to realize God doesn't just love you, but he has a great love for you. That, that's incredible. All right? It's why I love John 3.16 so much, because it doesn't just say, God loved the world. It's like, God so loved the world. All right? That so is so important. I, I emphasize that. It's not just a love. It's a great love. It's the best we can do to describe that love. All right? We'll, we'll call it indescribable the rest of the time because it's, it's impossible to say because we turn our back on him, we basically slap him in the face a thousand times and God still says, I have a great love for you. It's incredible. He is rich in mercy. What we said earlier, there's more mercy in Christ than sin in us. Uh, that's, that's comforting. He has enough love for us that even in the midst of seeing all that we bring, he says, I want them with me forever and eternity. Uh, that's incredible. I want them to have a life. And that could not happen as we stood alone, so it took a holy, a sinless, a perfect God coming in flesh to be able to pay the debt that we owed. The debt of humanity so that we could be justified, so that we could be reconciled, so that we could stand before God one day holy and blameless and sinless. As I love in Hebrews where it says there'll be a day where we can boldly approach the throne of God. I, I'll tell you, I have a hard time thinking about that. Because I, I realize everything that I am. I realize the sins that I don't even tell anyone else about. And I'm like, man, there's going to be a day where I can go running to the throne of God. And he's going to accept me as holy and blameless. Not because I'm great, but because I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. That, that's incredible. That's why I encourage everyone that I talk to to memorize 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus came down, he took our sin, he became sin so that we could become righteous, so that we could approach the throne of God. What an amazing thing that is. I'm so thankful for Jesus. 
So what does God do? We know the solution is Jesus. What does he do? Well, kind of our first point this morning, God lays our sin on Christ. So where we bring absolutely nothing to the table of life, where we cannot stand acceptable before God because we are not righteous on our own, here enters Jesus Christ, Son of God, the one who was the Word at the beginning, and he sees your sin, he sees your transgression, the way you followed the world, the way you have been disobedient, sees the disgust, sees everything about ourselves that we hate. Let's be truthful. And the one who is not deserving of the wrath of God takes on the wrath of God. His father has to turn his face away from him. He took all our sin and all our shame and he took it to the cross and defeated it all. This is beautiful. He died and his death has done something amazing for us. It has broken the power of sin. Romans 6, I'm just going to read for us real quick because I love this. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives for God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Let's point out some things that we just read real quick. All right? Sin has been brought to nothing. We are no longer enslaved to sin. Christ has died once for all. And because of that, we can die with Christ. But I I love how it ends. For sin will no longer have dominion over you. Because he has died, sin no longer has power. What an amazing thing. I'm not saying you won't be tempted. I'm not saying you won't still sin and mess up. That just happens, okay? It's going to happen, all right? But sin no longer has its power over you because Christ has defeated it. That's incredible, okay? Because he has died, we can be united in his death. Right? So we get to wake up daily because of what Jesus has done and say, I can die to that sin because I'm choosing Jesus. Right? We can be united in his death and say, death to sin. I'm going to die to sin. I'm going to die to myself, to my transgressions, to my worldly ways and my, de- my desires, my disobedience, to everything I bring to the table. And I'm going to die to that because it's holding me back from being with Jesus, stopping me from being counted righteous. I want Jesus. I'm putting the, to death the things that lead me to death and I'm choosing Jesus where there is life. I'm recognizing the only thing that I brought is a need for a Savior. I'm completely undeserving of this, but God, being rich in mercy, loved me enough to come, take on my sin, and allow me to be free from its grip. What an amazing thing. But it doesn't just stop there. That's what's incredible here. It's what I love. It doesn't just say, hey, you can be united in his death. It says, but if you have been united in a death like his, you will certainly, you will be surely be united in his resurrection. He doesn't want you to die to your sin to just do that. He wants you to come alive with him. What an amazing thing that is. What a joyous, gracious, amazing thing this is. That Christ doesn't want you to just die. He wants you to be alive. He wants you to be with him in eternity. Because he is alive, we can be alive. It's what I tell everybody. Like There is only one way we know the disciples weren't full of crap. They died for it. Like, 
like, I mean, terrible deaths. I mean, excruciating deaths. They died for it. All right? They saw Christ in his fully resurrected body. They saw Christ ascend to the Father. Christ didn't die again. No, he is presently reigning at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, speaking to God for us, holding a place for us. What an amazing thing that is. Christ is alive. That is the greatest breakthrough in our lives. Christ is giving us life. Let's look at verses 4 through 9 one more time. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Next point, God gives us life in Christ. So right off the bat, we get from verses 4 and 5 that I'm serving a merciful, gracious God who is seeking to save the lost. Like, isn't that an amazing thing? When I've been saved, I get to recognize the God that I'm serving because I was so wicked and still am, but because God is willing to seek me out and to save me, I know that that's the God that I'm serving. He's rich and seeking out, who is gracious, who is loving, and wants to save the lost. He's rich in mercy, and even while we were dead in our sin, he sought to show grace and provide a Savior so that we could be alive like never before, to experience eternal life, life that brings unending joy and peace, and that is the God that we are serving. It's, it's amazing stuff. That's why I think Paul emphasizes in Ephesians, it's by grace that you have been saved. God sought you out. He brought you to him. Verse 6, I love this, tells us that we will be with Jesus, seated with him. So what is life in Christ? It's promising eternal life. Our citizenship has been changed. All right? It's no longer worldly, but it's heavenly. And though we might not physically be with Christ seated in the heavenly places, we know our life and our identity has changed, that it is in Christ. So we know that we are children of God. What, a, what an amazing thing that is, because if we are children of God, Scripture tells us that we're co-heirs with Christ. Right? That means all the immeasurable riches that we just read about and talked about, and Romans kind of lines out for us, all these things that are going to be given unto Christ and given unto the children, that, that is waiting for us in heavenly places. We know he is presently reigning there, and that he is holding our seat, that our seat is there, till we die and go to share in it and in the inheritance, or if his kingdom comes here on earth. Right, our seed is there and being prepared by Jesus. And verse 7 tells us this, that the work's not yet done. Okay? That God will continue to show and proclaim His glory, His mercy, His kindness, His grace through us, through the church. Right? So our work's not done. Christ is still proclaiming all of His mercy and His kindness through the church. This power will never stop being remarkable. It will never not be good enough. It will be forever and always be sufficient. It is to continually be proclaimed. That's what is amazing, that this thing that happened 2,000 years ago is still being proclaimed. Why? Because it is the greatest act of kindness and mercy to ever take place. All right? I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. Hear this. When all the saints shall be gathered home, they shall still talk and speak of the wonders of God's love in Christ Jesus. And in the golden streets, they shall stand up and tell what the Lord has done for them. To listening crowds of angels and principalities and powers. So basically what Spurgeon's saying there is there'll be days, there'll be a day where we're walking on streets of gold, right? And we're not going to care about that. 
because we're going to care about Jesus, but that there's going to be angels and principalities and powers who haven't got to experience Jesus in their lives who are going to be listening intently and wanting to know. What, what an amazing thing that is. Like, keep in mind, these are angels who are in heaven. Right? They see Jesus every day, but they haven't had Jesus in them. And so they're going to sit there, and they're going to go, wow. So even when we're in heaven, we're still going to proclaim the great work of Jesus. That, that, that's incredible. This is his love. It has to be shared. It has it has changed us, so we can't help but talk about it. And that means here on earth and in heaven. Right now, we've been changed by it. We want to proclaim it. We want to tell it. But we'll be in heaven, and we'll do the exact same thing. We'll glorify God in all that we do. Verse 8 and 9 shows once again that we can rest in the finished work of Christ. That it's nothing that we have done, not the good works of man, so that no one can boast. It's only by him that we can be acceptable, that we can be holy, that we can be called righteous. And it's only by him that we can come alive. It's only because of Christ. We cannot take credit. It's only by his work that he did on the cross. Verse 10, I, I love this. I, I love this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work in. Walk in them, sorry. God gives us purpose in Christ. Like This is incredible to hear these words in verse 10, that we are God's workmanship. Right? So God created you with distinct things. Right? He created you with your certain personality. He created you with your certain talents. He created you with whatever he has given to you for his glory. Well, like, this is amazing. Like God distinctly made things in you that would point people to him. You're, you're his workmanship. Like that, that is amazing things. Right? So here's, here's the point of this, that God's love, it meets us where we're at, and it takes us where we should be going, to what God has called us to, to the good works that we ought to be doing in what he has called us to. Like that, that, that's amazing. The things that he created in us to point people back to him, he has then prepared the good works for us to walk in. Like, isn't that just so amazing what the Creator has done? He has given us specific talents and skills to be able to help display His love and mercy in the world. God has created you specifically with a purpose to walk in good works that He has prepared for you. By His work and His Son Jesus, He has brought a great breakthrough to all believers. And by this life, we have purpose like no other. The original purpose that God set out in the garden to glorify God in all that we do. Whether we eat, drink, work, play, sing, we do all for his glory because we have been affected by his love. Like, that's incredible. But here is more glorious news. Because you are alive in Christ, you never walk alone. You have Christ with you and in you forever. So it is no longer standing on your own strength, but on his. Christ is behind us, before us, beside us. Because guess what? If I try to do good works for Christ on my own apart from him, I'm going to get burnt out right? I mean, if I don't have Christ with me, I'm going to get burnt out. If I try to defeat temptation and sin apart from Christ, I'm going to fail. I, I need Christ to give me life, and I need Christ to help me walk in his purpose. I need Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. One of my favorite quotes of all time is by the old man John Piper, okay? But he says this, you never, 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 and he says like 40 million more times, okay? says you never outgrow your need for the gospel please don't think that the gospel is how you get saved and then you get strengthened by leaving it behind 
means I need the gospel yesterday, I need the gospel today, and I need the gospel forever. This is crucial for us to understand because the only way I'm going to be saved is by Jesus. The only way I'm going to walk in his purpose is by Jesus. I need Jesus. It's, it's simple. Every day, I've got to wake up and I need Jesus. We come, in live, we come alive in Christ only because of what he's done. We owe it all to him. So in our life with Christ, we don't do good works so that we can boast. We don't do them so that we can earn salvation. We don't do them so that we can be loved. We're already loved. Jesus has already given us salvation, and now he's given us good works to walk in. We do the work God has called us to because we have experienced the overwhelming rich mercy of God. It's just natural. And as we go out into the world and we face trials, when we suffer, when we face temptation, when we get fought back against by Satan, because it's going to happen if you're doing good works, for Jesus' name, we know we are not alone. We know we have Jesus who is for us and not against us. And because of the work he has done, we have won. We are victorious. So we praise him here on earth. We praise him in heaven. We show the grace that he has shown us. And as we are God's handiwork, we fulfill his purpose by doing the good works that he prepared beforehand. We walk in that. We, we trust him. We know that he's holding us up. We know that it's only by him. So to do this, I want to end with this. I think we got a picture of my niece, Anna. This is my niece, Anna, five years ago. Yeah, you all say that till you hear her talk back then. And biggest brat ever, okay? Uh, like, like, lovingly, I can say it. She's cute, but she knew that she was cute, so she, like, she thought she was the best at everything, so she tried to work that all the time. All right, so here's the thing. Anna, I think it's three in this picture, and we were at the beach in uh, South Carolina, and Anna decided one day that she wanted to learn how to swim, and she was doing great. I mean, for real. Like, I would stand, you know, about this far apart from her, and she would swim to me. And if y'all has ever seen little kids swim, like, just to get from right there to the stage to me, I mean, it's a fight, okay? Like, it's, they pump their arms at least 40 times and kick their legs at least 90, okay? And that, that only got them to me, right? So it, it's pretty crazy, but she had done good all day, just done quite incredible. And so, I finally told her, I was like, Anna, I want you to swim the width of the pool, like, from there to me. And it, it wasn't much longer than probably, like, right there on the stage to the end of the stage right there, okay? It wasn't too long, right? But, you know, for a little kid, it's quite a bit. So she gets on one end of the stage and, you know, at that end of the pool, and she starts swimming as hard as she can. You know, she's doing great. I'm really proud of her, and she's just killing it, all right? Like, it's amazing. I'm cheering her on. I'm sitting up on the ledge, and I'm like, you got this. Like, keep going. Keep swimming. You know, like, Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. So we get to this We get to this point where she's about, I don't know, a quarter to halfway through, okay? And she, she decides, I'm too tired, all right? So in her, you know, just brattiness, she decides, I'm going to throw my hand up. I'm going to say, like, literally, I'll never forget this. She goes, I give up, and then just sinks under yeah, so I did what any good uncle does. I let her drown for a little bit. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I hopped into the pool. I picked her back up. I said, Anna, like, what are you doing? And she said, I knew you'd come get me. And I was like, okay, that's bratty and sweet. Like, but it's just this beautiful representation of we might be fighting through life on our own, and we might get a little bit of the way, but eventually we're going to tire out eventually we can't take it and it's in that moment that we finally say i give up but i know there's a savior who's going to come grab me 
who's going to pick me up, who's going to love me, that we will experience joy and peace and understanding like no other. So I looked at Anna, and I said, hey, like, I'll pick you back up. I want you to finish. Like, we're Mitchells. We finished this, okay? Like, come on. Trying to hype her up. She's like, I don't know if I can. I was like, you got this. So she starts swimming, and I'll tell you what, she got to the end of the pool in like three seconds. It was incredible. Right? Now, what she didn't realize is I had my hand underneath her belly, just guiding her along the way, okay? And so we got to the end of the pool, and she's celebrating. She's so proud of herself, and I'm like, Anna, like, great job. But once again, it was just this beautiful representation of when we're in Christ, when we can't do something, Christ does it for us. If it's in his will and it's for his glory, I promise you he'll do it every time. And so as long as we're walking this life for his purpose, I promise he's going to be the one holding you up. He's going to be the one who gets you there. To the author and the finisher of our faith is where we fix our eyes forever on Jesus Christ. And so that's what I pray this morning. If you haven't, I pray that you just let go and give up and let Christ rescue you. Or if you're in Christ, I pray that you would walk according to his purpose. We all pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you that we get to be here and get to worship you. I pray that as we get ready to worship you through a form of song and praise, Lord, I pray that our eyes would be that she fixed on you. Yes, the band will be up here and we'll see them, but I pray that it's just your glory that's shining through all of this. If we've come in here with something, maybe we felt like we're just not good enough for Christ to save. I pray that we can realize that you can never outsin his cross. His mercy reigns over everything. So I pray we'll trust in that, that we'll believe in those truths. And ultimately, Lord, that your glory would be felt in this place. Just consume our hearts. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.